Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. The family music band, the Kelly family, has Irish and American descent. While living in Europe, the father, Dan, takes his kids to show them beautiful Rome. They park in front of the Colosseum, and when they get back to their VW bus, everything is stolen except their musical instruments. Out of a desperate need, they begin to sing on the streets in Rome, only to find out that people love this beautiful family and their music. They decide to travel through Europe and finance it by singing on the streets. They travel to Venice, Vienna, Zurich, Munich, Paris, London, and many more. They get discovered by a record producer from Polydor and sign their first record deal at the end of the 1970s. Overnight, it becomes a huge success in Central Europe, and they hit the top of the charts with several albums. After going through a number of challenging years and trying times, the family get their second breakthrough in Central Europe in the 1990s. They break all records with the album Over the Hump in 1994 and other albums that follow. The Kelly family sells over 20 million records and receives 40 million platinum and gold records. Over the Hump is still today the 7th place most sold album in Germany with over 3 million copies. After a number of years of hard work, the family decides to take a break. At this point, Patricia Kelly decides to start a solo career and develops her own sound, which is a crossover of folk, pop, soul, and singer-songwriter. She has a successful solo career that includes albums, singles, and a self-written autobiography, which becomes a Spiegel bestseller. In 2017, the Kelly family decides to reunite and has multiple record-breaking tours around the world. Patricia continues to release number one, selling singles and albums the world over. Up next on Slepsvant, we've got Patricia Kelly. Where do we find you in the world and how are you doing? First of all, thank you for having me, Barrett. It's a huge honor. I mean, you're in uh, South Africa and I'm in Germany. I am near, I mean, about the center of Germany. It's called Dusseldorf, not yes. far from Dusseldorf, out in the country. That's at home. I'm actually at home right now. And I am doing very good. Thanks be to God. I'm, I'm feeling great, very excited, many things going on, big, big projects. So I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for life right now. Let's rewind to your journey in the entertainment world. So that hybrid, the medium hybrid version of Patricia's journey. So at what age did you think, cool, I want to be in the entertainment world. And how did that proceed to where we are today? Okay, so here we start. Um, I started at five, okay. five years old. I wanted to go. You see, at that time, my family was singing. My parents were singing at home. And my older brothers and sisters were all playing instruments and going singing. And they would get invited on weekends to go out to weddings and, you know, like feasts and stuff like that. And I was frustrated that I had to stay home with my mom. So I made terror. I'm actually a very quiet, peaceful person. But I made terror until they left me, let me go. And my father said, because I was crying and screaming every time they would leave on Friday evening. And so one day he said, all right, Patricia, you just wanted to get rid of me. If you <laughs> learn all the songs in two weeks on guitar and, and the lyrics, you can go. And I did. I was five years old and I learned a few chords on the big guitar. The guitar was bigger than I was. And I learned the lyrics. And they, he was so impressed that he had no choice but to let me go on the road with him. What were the next steps? Well, basically, my parents, um, first, it was just a hobby at home. No. And then, you know, my family was very loved and we had beautiful voices and everyone, you know, uh, played instruments. 
And so then we got discovered by a record company. At that time, it was named Polydor. Today, it's um, uh, it's Universal. Yep. We got discovered in the streets because we sang all across the streets. Basically, my parents just wanted to show us the world, show us culture. We've all learned six languages. We play different instruments. And they, you know, they really just wanted to show us Europe and the beauty of Europe. And so we traveled with a first with the, um, a little, um, you know, a little car. And then they bought a double decker bus, a yeah. London double decker bus yeah. and painted that the Kelly family. And we were all over the Europe. And so that's how we got discovered on the streets. And what do you know? A year later, bang, this is in 1979. Let me see. Yeah. 1979 yep. was the first number one hit of the Kelly family Europe wide. Okay. And then, you know, they, they wanted us everywhere in America, Japan, but then my mom got sick and she got breast cancer and she died in a year later. She died. She died in 1982, a year after the discovery of, of the cancer. And that was a disaster. And Mm -hmm. so we just pulled back in Spain where we originally came from, where we lived. Yeah. And then after, after 10 years, we came back, um, into the big, you know, scene of the show business and we filled stadiums. I mean, in 1994 was the big breakthrough with an angel. And then, yeah, from that day on, we've just been filling arenas and, and, you know, stadiums. And so we're very thankful. It's been an up and down in our life, yeah. our professional life. But um, nothing new for for many bands. You've released solo stuff as yourself, Patricia Kelly, and then you've obviously toured and worked with the band. So, what yeah. is the difference in your world when you're releasing solo stuff compared to when you're working with your family? All right. Well, when I'm working with my family, the Kelly family, which I believe people know in South Africa, don't they? Yeah. Is that yes, true? Yes, 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 oh, yes. Oh, oh my God! What what songs do you know? Actually, let me know. Like. Um, so the, that song you mentioned that went to number one and a, a few others. An Angel? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. 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 An Angel. Do you know, uh, fell in love with an alien? Yes. 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 I can't help myself and first time. Absolutely. Yes. Especially I can't wow. help myself. Yes. Well, we can't wait to get over there. We got to yes. get over there. Well, the difference. Okay. To get back to your question, the difference is when I'm with my family, the Kelly family, I love to be in a team. I am a very big team player and, you know, you have to adapt someone, somewhat. You kind of have to compromise on your artistic wishes. When I'm doing my solo project, I can full-blown just do what I want, basically. I write my own songs with um, other co-writers like Daniel Potter, like you Mm. mentioned before. He's a great friend of mine and we really had a great session and we wrote that song, Brave, which I love. And Daniel came over to Germany not long ago. We had a few TV shows. He's an amazing person. I love him. And so I write with co-writers and basically, but I can express, I'd say, more what I'm going through now. I don't have to adapt to the group. If you ask me, because a lot of people ask me that, what do you like best? I can't choose. I need both. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So yes. when you're creating music by yourself, from zero to three to four minutes. Is it easy process? What motivates it? Let's dive into your creative brain. I write from my heart. I write from what I'm feeling, I'm thinking that day, what's moving me, um, you know, what is driving me that day. 
what am I, am I, am I sad? What am I sad about? Am I happy? What am I happy about? I basically really try to um, just dive in what I am feeling that moment. And I go onto the piano. I just sit on the piano or take a, grab a guitar. And I just really, without thinking, I try to switch off my intellect completely. Okay. And I just first try to really just write from the soul and the heart. And it doesn't matter how bad it is. Because that's my core to any song. Then once I have expressed that on some kind of a line, whether it's a chorus or, or sometimes it's just a verse or both, um, you know, some songs are there like in three minutes, like that's mad, but that's mm. usually an exception. You know, usually you just put something down and it evolves. And then I go on to the next step. I take those ideas uh, to my sessions with my other co-writers and producers and then we kind of um, develop that main core idea so that that way I always feel that my heart isn't there. When I'm singing the songs on stage, it's me. And it's something that I really went through because I think there's a difference if you're just a songwriter for other artists mm. or if you're singing it yourself on stage. And I want to transport uh, my audience those feelings because I believe that we all go through the same thing, just in different forms. Yes. You know, I mean, a human is a human. I, you know, it doesn't matter where they come from, what they are, what they've achieved or not achieved. We're all just a human. We have a yeah. beating heart. We have a, a body, a soul, a spirit. And basically, I think that people can connect better to an artist if he or she is singing something which is really from their own, because then it will be real, you know? So it's all, it's about authenticity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I try, you know, I'm aware that, you know, I'm not stupid. I mean, uh, nowadays, you know, Spotify has forced artists to cut their songs under three minutes and you got to put a piece of the refrain in the, in the front, you know, up front, or you won't be played and all these things. But I try, I still try at the first moment when the song is being created not to think of anything of that. And it's hard, yeah. but I do. I just, I just switch it off. And then later on in my session with my co-writers and the producers, then they might say, well, Patricia, this is too long of a song or we got it, you know, and I'm adaptable to that, but I don't want to destroy the core of it. So you reference Spotify. I love me a CD. I still budget for my CDs every month. I love the experience of ordering it, getting it, unpacking it, the the pictures. For me, it's a thank you to you guys for all the hard work you put in. It's an energy exchange. Thank I'm not you. sure if you're aware that cassettes, CDs, and vinyls are all making a massive comeback. Yeah. CDs last year, the uh, bigger sales in 21, 21 years. Vinyls last year, 5.5 million in the UK alone, bigger since 1990. But then you mentioned, yeah. as you mentioned, we've got these digital platforms. What is your preference or reference of each? I love the, the cassette. I just love the recording cassette. I'm a, a big fan of that because there's something very, how should I say? I love seeing that tape rolling, you know, yeah. and, and there's just something so in the moment because it's like you see the song evolving you know the, the tape is turning mm. around and you see as the actual pieces are the chords are being played through that tape 
Now I have in my cellar, I have boxes and boxes of cassettes because until just a few years ago, I actually always composed uh, my songs on a cassette recorder. Mm. I had a little cassette recorder, you know, one of these Walkmans. Yes. And I recorded on a cassette. You know, the iPhone came in. Well, you know, you got all this digital stuff. And my my husband was telling me, you better put it digitally or it's all going to break one day. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to get access to it, whatever. But I have tons of cassettes in my cellar and and I love them. I just hope that, yeah, that one day, maybe when I'm gone, my kids will appreciate them <laughs> or something. I just, I, you know, I obviously digital has an advantage, but I'm so glad that people are actually going back to this that the you know the whole haptic and 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 taking it in your hands and yes like you said um you you said you you know you brought it down to to what it is that you maybe appreciate more the work behind it i think the whole digital thing is a disaster for for our songwriters and, and artists because except the you know the big big ones they're making more money than everybody but yeah. i think for most artists it's a real disaster because um there's almost no money in there um on the on licenses and um there's there's just yeah there's no appreciation like you say you know so i i'm very happy to hear that people are going back to vinyl and cassettes and cds thank god thank god and it's you know it's interesting it's actually the younger kids it's the teenagers the 20 year olds really? not the older people yeah a lot of the younger are kids you are you kidding going, me yeah. i didn't know that yeah aware of that yeah, so uh-huh. I, who did I interview a, couple, a week or so? Oh, yes, I interviewed um, Nance from 24-7 in the Netherlands. And she was saying her 14-year-old son has got to record and he keeps wanting to go to the record shops. And many artists I've spoken to said it's all their kids and not their age people, which is fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my, thank be to God. I mean, that is so brilliant. Like, yeah. I actually, um, when was it? I think it was a year ago or something. I brought out, we brought out the Christmas album on venue. And we had to, the record company, Universal, my record company was telling me, hey, we got to get this thing finished um, six months ahead yeah. because they're so booked nowadays. They don't even have the machines anymore yeah. <laughs> to meet demands. Like, it's very interesting, definitely. Yeah. When you're performing solo, compared to performing yes. with your family. The difference, obviously, it's teamwork and the other ones yourself. We're not saying which is better or which you prefer because you love them both, but what is the difference between the two? The difference on the performance is, honestly, I can actually relax more with my family mm. because the pressure is not all on me, you know, all eyes on me. You know, if I have to deliver, and I and I love it too, delivering a two-and-a-half-hour show solo, um, with my band, I have to always be on point. I have to be always be up there, voice. Yeah. You know, if you have a cold or not, I don't know if you're aware, but the nightmare of every artist is going on tour, you get a cold. And and I kind of have a very a voice which is very high. I mean, I'm not a so, soprano, but I'm mezzo-soprano, and I kind of sing very high. And if I have, sure, you can always tune it down, but if I have a cold, you know, it's a disaster, and and I I ha- it's just torture. I have to torture myself through those gigs, you know. So that's always kind of the you know the problem in the winter, particularly. And if you're with your family, hey, that's not a problem. My brother will say, "I'll take over the solo." My sister will say, "I'll take that solo." You can relax a bit today. Yeah. We sit, switch solos back and forth, and and if she's like, there was one winter, it was one tour where my sister Kathy, I mean, she 
just lost her voice. That was the first time it ever happened. And I, I signed for her for, I think, like 10 gigs. Wow. And then she was back. And so she just kind of, she just kind of played the keys and yeah. she did a bit of the choirs. So it, it's kind of practical. It's kind of comfortable to have yes, brothers. Is it? It no, is, I, you know? I completely get it. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, solo, you know, if you sing in solo, it's more challenging and I have to bring more out of myself and I grow more. I grow artistically more. So I know this, you know, it's very important. And, and I, yeah, I just, I see my voice evolving, particularly on the solo project, because I, you know, I can't hide behind anybody. I'm always that guy right up in front, don't sing, having fun, having a ball. Uh, if I take oh, my phone right. out, it's for one or two pictures, one or two videos, and then I put it away. Oh. But I notice the people around me have got their phones out all uh, like 60 to 80 percent of the time trying to post tweet video whatever they're doing from the yeah. person on the receiving end seeing a lot of phones potentially for you does that disconnect you from the audience a little bit or do you just find that it's where society is today it does it does uh, disconnect a bit because they're they're not there are they yeah. they're kind of okay trying to catch that video i don't mind that you know that people want to take a memory with them or you know post something i do it myself you know i'm a big fan of adele and obviously when i went to see her i you know but i i am with you i think that if you would say on a percentage base maybe 80% of the time or 90% should be you know being part of this and it's not about watching the artist i think you know for me the ultimate experience is when Audience and artists are one when there's a, there's a connection where there's this oneness and there's no separation between artists and, and, and audience. And, and then there's this, this experience, you, you know, I, I get goosebumps right now just thinking about it. And then when they start singing the songs, you know, like I love just putting out the mic and they're just singing alone. And I think that's when people can really forget everything because there's so many problems nowadays. And, you know, I have my problems too, and you do, and everyone does. And just for those two and a half hours to completely forget everything and kind of dive into this, into this music world. I think concerts are one of the few places where people forget their differences, mm. you know, their political differences, their religious differences, age differences, like we have all ages. And I think that's very important to experience that, that there is no difference in that moment. And so I'm with you. I, I would um, prefer that there's less filming. It would yeah. be great. This past weekend, Westlife was here and I was at the concert and someone in the front row was sitting and texting the whole show. Nikki from the band, he said, you over there, all you've been doing is texting the whole show. Why are you sitting up in front of you? are just going to be texting the whole show. But I thought exactly. it was good. It's good to call them yeah. out. Like, why are you there yeah. if you're not going yeah, to be part yeah. of it? Absolutely. So it kind of a wake up call. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that person didn't even realize it kind of, you know? Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree with you. That's good for him. I mean, yeah. okay. You never know. She might have, but if she, you know, if there's a problem at home or something, then she should have gone, you know, she should have left the place and, and taken yeah, exactly. care of what's going on. I notice it. A lot of people just kind of like, you know, if you're talking to somebody and then a text comes in and they'll just look at it. And I'm like, I don't do that. I just yeah. switch off my phone. If I'm yeah, with a saying, friend, yeah. you know, I tell my, my family, listen, I'm out with my friend. If there's anything urgent, just call me, but don't, 
you know, I'm going to switch off everything because it's just, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not going to go crazy now. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of us are suffering under an overload of, of mm. digital information, digital messages. I mean, I haven't even looked up my messages this morning, <laughs> but I know there's like 50 or 100 messages there and it's kind of pressure by now. It's just yeah. pressure because a lot of the business goes now by, uh, via WhatsApp, actually. Before it was more email. Yeah. Now there's a lot of WhatsApp mm. because they need um, answers quickly. My management, my record company. And I just I avoid it sometimes because I notice it's a pressure. What percentage of your professional is solo and what percentage is with the family? It just depends the years. It's 50-50, but, okay. you know, because the Kelly family is not on tour all the time. Like, you know, we will go on tour and then uh, we'll do 50 gigs and then we'll give it a break for two, three years. So there's no overloading there. You know, people have time to save some money for the next tour. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, no. So and then at that time, in those three years, I'd be touring my own solo stuff. So it's kind of I'd say 50 50. Okay, so nice balance. It is. So I love this game. I know if I had to ask you this question in two minutes, two hours, two years, I know your answer will be different every time. I recognize that and I understand that because there's millions of them. If you had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we finish this conversation, what would those five songs be and by whom? Adele, Rolling in the Deep. Adele, again, uh, someone like you. Um, there's an artist, a French artist, Francis uh, Grappin. Uh, let me see. Oh God. Um, Coldplay. I love, I love, um, the old stuff. Uh, I'm not very good at that. I actually, you know what, Barrett? I don't listen to much music. I know it sounds crazy. No. Oh, and then the, the, the fourth and fifth one would be, um, Gregorian chants from, uh, the monastery of Fongombon in France. L'Abbé du Fongombon, the one, Gregorian. I love Gregorian music just to kind of wind down. Yeah. Yes. I've been listening to that every night since, um, over 30 years, actually. Uh, it's been addicting, a Gregorian chance. I don't listen to much music. You know why? Because I do so much music okay. that I, I love silence at home. Okay. I don't have a radio. I don't have a TV at home. And I just adore no noise, no music, nothing. And I think it's also a way for me to, um, yeah, I think that I can, I can, you know, channelize that. I need to do music better if I don't listen to music. Patricia, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Well, in this moment, honestly, I really think, I mean, things are so mad in the world and things are just going such a bad direction. I really just wish the world peace, honestly. I mean, peace to all men and women out there and human beings. and, And I really just hope that we can make a turnaround for the good because, you know, it's been a tough years, COVID and now and in all these wars now, it's just, I really just wish everyone good and peace, honestly. And, and, and myself too, you know, and you too, like, you know what I mean? I wish us all peace and good Absolutely. music. I mean, music is a great way to, to give our soul a break in peace, isn't it? Yeah.